Welcome to another edition of the eSpot with Camille. The eSpot is your location for the latest in entertainment, beauty, and design from the people who make it. Thanks for joining. To Filmmaker Friday, I'm your host, Camille Cower, and this is part of the eSpot. I am so excited for you to meet my guest today. She is a female Friday filmmaker who has this new documentary that is a must-see as soon as it's out to the public, because right now it's for top festivals only, um, is Kat Brewer. She did this documentary called Sign the Show, but don't have me tell you all about it. That's what I brought her here for. She's going to share more about it. And in three, two, one. Hello, Kat. Thank you so much for joining me today. I truly appreciate you. Thank you for joining me. So tell everyone about Sign the Show. Well, it is a film that I started producing about eight years ago. Um, I have been going to concerts my entire life, uh, probably starting when I was like six or seven, eight years old. And back in 2014, I went to a concert. It was Gavin DeGraw. And I, for the very first time, saw a sign language interpreter. And I was completely ignorant and didn't realize that deaf people enjoyed going to see live performances. So I started talking to the interpreter that was there and then started communicating to the deaf people through the interpreter and come to find out, yes, just like a lot of hearing people, deaf people enjoy music, enjoy live performances, but they actually face a lot of barriers and challenges to getting access to that entertainment. So I thought I was going to write an article for the school newspaper where I taught. I taught at three different community colleges in the Bay Area. And a friend of mine at the time, I told him my idea and he said, oh, you should make this a documentary. And I was like, okay, (laughs) like not having any background in film whatsoever. And I think that ignorance was really bliss for me because had I known what I would go through to complete this film, I would have never started. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, what did I get myself into? Or want to learn a little bit how to avoid some of those pitfalls or maybe find other ways to avoid it if there are any. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was, what do they say? trying to drink from a fire hose or baptism by fire, (laughs) just like diving in head first (laughs) without any goggles on. Uh, But it was a great experience. I think it has truly been the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. (laughs) And I really wouldn't trade this experience for the world. I've met some amazing and incredible people along this journey. I have learned so much, not just about the deaf community, but about entertainment and, you know, a lot of life lessons for myself as well, Um, especially about perseverance and tenacity and, you know, relentless forward motion is, is what I say a lot. And that no is not the worst thing you can hear. And it just, to me, means next opportunity. No. So... 
I mean, this is the business of no or next. <laughs> like you really have to kind of have thick skin or a lot of times I'll just like put in my head complete false things. A lot like the um, when one day you sent me the beautiful song, Good Morning Gorgeous. And I was like, ah, that's right. That's me. You know, but that's a lot of just self affirmations of just until you feel it, pretend it or fake yeah. it till you make it type of thing. So what were exactly. some of the things that kind of helped? keep that train going or just was like, I'm just going to keep drinking from this hose because this has to be made. And it's a story that if I don't tell it, I will regret it from the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, I think that sometimes when people doubt you, <laughs> at least for me, when people tell me that I can't do something, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, I'm going to show you. And I think, I don't know if that's the Taurus in me or just the woman in me, but I had people doubt me. Like I had people in my life that were close to me that said things like, oh, what makes you think that you can do this? Or what makes you think so-and-so is going to give you an interview? And I was just like, oh. <laughs> like, you know, I think a lot of that comes from the fear of I mean, it's their own fears, their own insecurities. It's not like they're projecting in a way like they never went after their dreams. They never really pursued what they were meant to be, maybe. And so they're not so much maybe doubt your potential, but doubted their own potential and like how and it's a lot of like because I've gotten that, too. And then looking back, I'm like, why am I even listening to people who never went after their dreams? They never really took that chance and put themselves out there. How would they know what right. this is like or what I can or can't do? Because you don't know me or no, but you know, yeah. but at the same yeah. time, like, there are people who like they're doing great in their profession. So maybe it's also a matter of like, they want to make sure they're protecting you too. You know, sometimes it's even with our own brains, like it won't let you do certain things again because it has muscle memory. It's like, Oh, remember the right. last time we did this, we got burned, but right. you learn new lessons. You do new things. And sometimes what looks like failures is just figuring out other ways to do things. You That's know? right. That's right. I say that there's no such thing as fail. The only time you fail is really when you stop trying. Yep. Honestly. Mm -hmm. And during the whole process of making this film, I've been a communications instructor at the college level for the last 22 years. So a lot of the advice that I would give to my students, especially because I teach public speaking and students, some you would probably be the student that loves to get up there and give a speech. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, and I'll have to share it later, but I mean, it was because I thought uh, as an actress that, oh, I can public speak. I don't need to take a class on that it's and put my foot in my mouth the first time I was on stage and had to speak for, without a script. And um, I yeah, lost it's very different. Carolina because of it. <laughs> Short so, story, uh, I compared doing pageants to being a drag queen with of all the fake stuff you had to put on and I couldn't stop saying drag queen and this was in 2000 where people weren't as um open-minded as they are now and I love drag queen so it wasn't like an insult but maybe they took it as an insult because this was in mm. North Carolina so you know I, I did win Miss Photogenic but they were like <laughs> don't, let, don't let her speak and I did make it a top five but yeah so after awesome. classes so I would not say the things in my head that I was saying, don't say on stage because yeah, wow. So yeah, you know, I, I felt like a lot of the lessons that I was or the encouragement or the things that I was sharing with my public speaking students 
are things that I was like, I'd hear myself say it to them. And I'm like, why aren't you saying it to yourself? Like, you know, get out of your comfort zone. It's okay if you make a mistake. It's okay if you mess up. And yeah. I really, I, I, yeah, I specifically remember saying this in, in some of my lectures. I tell them about, we talk about fear and about perception and about how you can what if yourself to death, right? Like, well, what if this doesn't happen? Or what if this bombs or whatever? And I remember saying to them, you know, what if someone says something negative? Okay, like it's your responsibility. They may have planted the seed, but you're the one watering that negative self-talk, right? And it's your responsibility to stop watering it, pull out all the weeds and to like think more positively and to have a healthy garden in your mind. And so in, in teaching others, <laughs> I was also teaching myself and really took those lessons, you know, to heart in pursuing interviews with people. And, you know, I was approaching celebrities and I was approaching um, people who are deaf. And I don't, I, at the time, I didn't know sign language. I'm still not fluent in it. I know enough to be able to communicate, but that was a challenge and it was way out of my comfort zone. And to be as cliche as possible, life begins out of your comfort zone. It really does. It really does. So when you decided to do this film, like how did, how did that first like bubble come into your brain where I'm like, Ooh, I got to do something about this. Yeah. I literally, when, when I was there at the concert and talking and communicating with the deaf people and learning about all these challenges, I literally was like, Oh my God, this little light bulb. I was like, Oh my God, I have literally taken my hearing privilege for granted my entire life like they were talking about how they couldn't pick a certain day to go see a concert like they had to go when there was going to be an interpreter there and i was like oh gosh if i want to go see the dixie chicks or bon jovi or drake or beyonce i just go buy my ticket for the day i oh, want to go i don't have to nice. worry if there's an interpreter there <laughs> well i didn't say i can't afford it <laughs> <laughs> I remember being invited to a Beyonce concert. And then when I looked at the prices, I'm like, oh, no, I got to pay for college. Have fun because I'm a front row girl. Like, I, I want to be as close to the action as I can possibly be. And I always bring my daughter with me because it ain't no fun unless your daughter can have some, in my opinion. So, yeah, um, Ariana Grande is our budget level. <laughs> well, she was. I don't know if she is now. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah so I just. I literally was thinking about, I mean, I've taught communication for 22 years, and this was a fundamental lack of access to communication. Right. And I, I remember going home that night, just like my mind was swirling. And I was like, I need to write, I need to write an article. I need, you know, and I called a friend who at the time was the editor of the Oakland Tribune. And I was like, Martin, like, if I wrote this, you know, piece, can you, will you publish it? In the Oak? I, like, I was dreaming big, right? And he was, Why like, not? Sure. he was like, sure, sure. And then, like I said, I mentioned it to a friend of mine, Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you, Oscar. Speaking um, of Oscar. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, wait, they do have a Yes, they do. They do. I mean, actors yeah. build that doesn't. So yeah, no. Yeah. So I just 
like I said, he gave me the idea for the documentary. I said, okay. I remember going to Best Buy in Emeryville, California, the poor kid who helped me. I was there for two hours picking his brain about what camera do I need? I bought an $800 camera, a $100 tripod and kept the receipt because I was like, as a teacher, I can't afford this $800 camera. I'm going to film for 30 days and then I'm going to return the camera and get my money back. Yeah. Did it? didn't quite work out that way. So literally seven, seven years of filming and trying to figure it out and knocking on doors and tweeting people and DMing people. Like literally I had a two year tweet relationship with Chuck D from public enemy. <laughs> like, Oh my God. That's the CD I play every day in my car is um, public <laughs> enemy. <sighs> yeah. He, I mean, he was, you know, you think people that you would never, why would he give me the time of day? I don't know. The universe knew something and connected us. Like I literally tweeted him. I was like, Hey, you're in my town. This is what I'm doing. I'd love to interview you. And the next message I got was, sorry, we already left. And I was like, okay, well, what about when you're in LA? What about like, I was literally willing to travel anywhere. Um, and that was kind of the case with a lot of the artists that I now, interviewed. When you were reaching out to these different artists, did they already have an interpreter or they didn't? Like, what was your angle even with that, with who you chose? Yeah. So I basically would ask, hey, have you ever worked with a sign language interpreter before? Um, if you have, what was that like? If you haven't, you know, uh, how does it feel knowing that you are losing out on a potential fan base? You know, someone that you're not giving access to, um, to your art. And that wasn't in the initial conversation. Like I had my 30 second elevator pitch when I would reach out to them, like, Hey, I'm producing a documentary on deaf culture and access and entertainment. I'd love to spend a few minutes talking with you. I heard a lot of no's. Uh, I kept on it until I heard a hard no. And even then sometimes I reach out again. I really, I got really good follow through. I will follow up with you until the end of the earth if it means that it I can help it. something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is so important. So I took ASL in college. I was obsessed with ASL from watching um, Helen Keller as a kid. And I watched all, like, I wanted to learn it a lot. And, the, um, and so I was almost fluent by the time I graduated from college. And if I had known that interpreters did more than just boring speeches because <sighs> I also wanted to be a hype woman or discovered MTV VJ would probably be more my stilo since I'm, uh, I like a lot, ask a lot of questions, but <laughs> I tried out for that too. Anyway, but like there was a video that I saw of this woman being a, uh, interpreter at a concert. Cause I don't think I've ever seen one or knowingly saw one before. And I was like, Oh, that exists. And so I started looking into getting classes again to get, mm. to get back going in it again. And so I am taking back classes, but it's been a slow progression because I'm um, completely busy with the season. At the same time, it's like, wow, what a fun job, first of all, for interpreter to be able to interpret these musicians that they love and share it with a community that's been overlooked because that's kind of the theme of now, you know, like people are more open to the idea that marginalized communities deserve that spotlight. They deserve to be a part of the table, so to speak. So for you to yeah. open up that opportunity and to give 
more light into the situation. And you started eight years ago is just mind blowing to me because I did not know that. And we're like, we're friends in real life. And so just to, like, we are. <laughs> and at the same time, like, I'm just so impressed with everything with this because when I think, I don't remember how I started following you because I am a stalker. And then, um, at least on the internet, don't get, you know, <laughs> um, and so like, I, I don't, I don't know if I knew about your documentary at first. It was just the fact that maybe it was your hair and you were like in a picture with somebody that I knew. And I was like, oh, I, I, I think it was, I think it was a Cory. I think it was a Cory Booker thing, perhaps. I think not. I just don't because you know, I was like following all the blue people that seemed interesting to some extent, maybe. I don't remember. But then when you posted about sign the show, I was like, oh, oh, wow. Again, like it was like the universe giving me signs again. So when you were going through all of this, getting the no's, what were some of the great yeses or great stories that just kept like, like I said, getting that train going and making you want to do more and realizing how important what you're doing is to the community, not just for us that can hear, but for those that can't, because that was yeah. part of the class with ASL was learning about the culture and so on as well. Yeah. So I really fortunately, a girlfriend of mine had messaged me on Facebook and she's like, have you seen this guy? And I was like, who, right? So she sends me this video of this young man who was interpreting rap music. He had a ton of videos. And I was like, oh my God, I need this guy. I need to meet him. He would be perfect for my film. Kind of like learned a little bit about him. He was born with profound hearing loss, um, was raised in a hearing family. And so he um, was sent to like a mainstream school where he worked with a speech pathologist and learned how to speak. Um, he wears hearing aids, and but he didn't grow up learning sign language. And it wasn't until he was 19 and went to Gallaudet University, um, which is a deaf university in Washington, DC, which is where he learned sign language for the first time at 19. And so he kind of straddled both of these worlds, both the hearing world and the deaf world. And I, I'm just, I'm so honored. His name is Matt Maxey. He was an interpreter um, for Chance the Rapper. He went on tour with Chance. He's just has this absolutely amazing story. And just as amazing as his story is, he the person is amazing and has great vibes. And we just we just clicked from the like the day we met, which was a really circuitous way after stalking him for a year on social media. <laughs> Not above it. <laughs> um, he's, he's now an executive producer on the film with me, along with Waka Flocka Flame um, and my Wait, angel investor. You know, that came about, too. Yeah. The, the yeah. names of the people who are involved, like even I mean, it's not even a Kevin Bacon connection to some of them, like Kelly Clarkson, Waka Flocka Flame, um, Niall. I don't know. DeMarco. I, yes. DeMarco. Yeah. I'm like, I. I was doing so well yesterday because I recorded yesterday <laughs> and talked talked about it. I had his name in front of me. I do not this time. So I'm like, I don't remember what his last name is. So I know it's D something, but he was from Next Top Model. But you have all these different people that you just wouldn't necessarily even see in the same concert or same yeah. event, maybe, but you were able to blend them all together as well. So I know you were stalking all of them, but how did you get to the point where they were willing to really get involved and in, to the level of producer or um yeah, so I mean, I have to 
Waka is is the only celebrity producer that I have on the film. Uh, and I first met him, so in 2017, I was at Firefly Music Festival in Dover, Delaware. And he, I had a, I had a, it was the very first time that I actually had like a press credential where I could actually go in the pit and film. I mean, I'd been doing this at that point for three years, I think almost four and, you know, was just hustling. Um, but here I was with my badge in the pit and I knew the interpreter. And so I was filming the interpreter and she was, you know, on a platform to the side of the stage and Waka noticed her. And he was like, what is she doing? He didn't know, he did not know what she was doing. He talks about that on, um, he did an interview with Complex uh, Everyday everyday Struggles. And, but so he talks about that. He's been very open about it. So after that perform, he came down off the stage, got on the platform, was dancing with her. And after that performance, he, you know, I literally snuck backstage. I didn't have backstage access, but I was literally like running past the security guard. I was like, Waka, because I see him. And yeah. he like turns around and I was like, can I just talk to you for 30 seconds? So, you know, I'm like literally shouting this and some other person comes and walks up to me and he's like, I'm Waka's manager. Can you tell me what you want to talk to him about? So pitched it. He's like, hold on a second, went to Waka. He was in a van and came back to me and said, he'll do the interview. And I was like, so he's like, but he wants you to film the interview in the van, like right now. Can you do it? I'm just like, yeah. oh my God. Like the lighting was horrible. So we start the interview. And then I was like, this is like, is there any way? He's like, oh, let's go to the green room. So then it was like Waka and DJ Who Kid, and we're in there and we're doing the interview. And at the end of the interview, I'm a very emotional person. I cry when I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. It happens all the time. And um, I just like started crying at the end of the interview. And I was like, thank you so much. Like my dream is to be able to connect your deaf fans to you to have a conversation. And he was like, let's make it happen. And I was like, what? And so literally two months later in New York, we were all in a hotel room. I introduced Matt Maxey and Ebony Watson to Waka and Who Kid. They had a whole conversation about access. And Waka's just been like solid, like a solid supporter, a, just an incredible human being, so generous, so helpful. And so as the film progressed, I was like, hey, like, I mean, he really was kind of a a thread. We kept in touch all this time. We'd see in Vegas when he'd come hang out there or perform. And I just, I asked him, I was like, you know, would you want to be an executive producer on this film? And he was like, yeah. He was like, let's do it. I was like, oh my God, you know? And these kind of stories, this is what I live for when people are like pursuing their dreams and you're going to make me cry. And it turns out and you get like serious support, not fake support. Like, oh yeah, I want to support your show. Okay, um, I need money to help with that, maybe <laughs> a little, or at least access to the right people that can help me with that, you know. And so, uh, yeah, okay, going. Sorry. Yeah, that's no, that's okay. I, I mean, so that's that's how Waka came on board, and I'm really hoping that we can do some things together when the so the films, like you mentioned, it's on the festival circuit right now. Um, it premiered at Santa Fe. We're in Dallas in October. 
um, Athens, Ohio, <laughs> Athens, Ohio in April, and then Harlem in New York in May. And I'm really hoping that, yeah, that we can get like maybe one. Is it May 2022 or May 2023? No, this year. This year. Soon. So very soon. In October, right? Yeah. And I'm still waiting to hear back from like 27 more festivals. (laughs) Please keep me posted because I will definitely list all of them. Thank you. As they add. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, I want to be able to work more collaboratively. I've had great support from, from other artists. I, I mean, Kelly had me on her show, on her talk show. She had me and Matt. I was like, I can't do this without Matt. And, wow. you know, they welcomed us both on the, on the show September of 2019, which is um, September's Deaf Awareness Month. So, yeah, it's just, it's been crazy. Someone asked me the other day, um, how does someone get into film or have you been working toward this since kindergarten? (laughs) It's just like, I laugh, but it's so interesting to me when I take a moment to think about kind of the trajectory of my life and what has happened and what led me to needing a creative outlet, such as the film. Like I went through a divorce and um, I used to do all the PR and marketing for my ex-husband who is a musician and when we'd separated all that creativeness left, I I didn't have that job anymore. And so then this kind of happened. Um, And it was interesting because, gosh, way back in, I don't even know, maybe 2012, 2010, I went to a D.L. Hughley um, concert. And at the time I was with my ex and I was promoting him. So we like got to get in the meet and greet line. I was like, if you ever need someone to... Um, open for you, jazz musician at one of your shows. Like, I would love to send you a press kit. And he was like, I'm, so he's like, here, take this number, write it down, you know, call, get the address, send the press kit. Next morning, it's like nine o'clock on a Monday morning. I'm like, hi, this is Kat Brewer. And I met DL last night and he said to call this number to get an address to send the press kit. And he was like, this is DL. <gasps> and I just, like, yes. That's what, that's what I was like, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, again, about the follow-up, you have to follow through. That's so where that, most people fail. Yeah, yeah. So that I've had DL's phone number in my phone for years. And when I started working on this project, my friends were like, why aren't you calling him? Why aren't you texting him? And I was like, because that's not what I originally met him for. Like I didn't meet him for my film. I met him for music and like, I don't feel comfortable. And then I had to get over that. I'm just like, just ask. My girlfriend, Kim Bardakian would just say, just ask. The worst you could hear is no. And that's not the worst thing you can hear. Just ask. So literally DL's kind of been, you know, a supporter also for a very long time. So I've I've just been really blessed. I've been really fortunate. Um, Senator Cory Booker's a supporter. I just, yeah, I've been really fortunate with a lot of the people that I've that I've met. I love the tenacity of it all, but I have to admit, when you have 22 years of communication experience, <laughs> you know how to write your own press kits and you know how to get people to respond. So I so, love it. Who knows so, how many students you could use also in that sense. Right. So much easier to do it for other people than to do it for yourself. <laughs> 
That's true. Because sometimes I wonder if I used a different name, maybe like my assistant is reaching out. <laughs> I'd feel more confident because I've heard of different comedians, like that's how they booked their first jobs was that they would do it under a different name, pretending to be their manager and so on. And I was like, oh. and even like um, my mom was best friends with this actress and she would always like, just tell him you're my publicist so we can get a better room or whatever, you know, like call and do it that way. Cause she was, she, I mean, it was fun times. I learned from them, but I just, I'm just, I'm too scared that I won't remember what, all of that and then just <laughs> blow it all up. Cause I'm like, oh yeah, it's all me. <laughs> yeah, I'm, so, like, eh, you know, I just, tell me, but even going back to what you said about with DL, like there's a lot of people that I met in different ways. And I've felt like, you know, I kind of compartmentalized them as being people like, they are my real friends. I shouldn't ask them. And even yeah. with my parents, when I had them on my show, it's kind of like, I don't want to feel like I'm exploiting, not exploiting, but you know, even putting their stories out in positions that maybe could affect them as well, because they both still work in the industry and they both have had situations that were challenging that would help other people to know how they overcame it and so on. But it was still a matter of like, because I knew their entire life story already, it was kind of one of those things like, Oh, maybe I should, you know, it was hard to yeah. with certain things. So I, I yeah. get that even now. Um, a lot of times people are like, you just have to ask, you just have to ask. And, you know, sometimes like that's the joy of having an agent they do all the asking for me so i just the jobs i don't get or the jobs they pitch me for i don't even know you know i'm just yeah there's there there is a there is a blissful ignorance in that yeah. in that sense right when you're not dealing with the re with the rejection or yeah when you're not dealing with the rejection firsthand um but i from jump i try to be authentically myself and i am as transparent as all get out like sometimes too much sometimes to my detriment but i'm like look this is this is me this is who i am this is what i'm doing this is what i can offer and you know what if i'm for you great and if right. we connect great and if not next like yeah. ariana I mean, we'll bring it back to ariana grande thank you yes. <laughs> right. And, but it also brings that point of, you know, there's a certain level of people you want to be dealing with too. Like if they, it's that energy level, cause not everybody is meant to be involved. Like you don't want to be involved with someone who's just in it for maybe exposure or the notoriety right. or just to take advantage of the deaf community in that sense too. Cause it is a sensitive area. So yeah, yeah you know, sometimes they're protecting you. Yeah, I have been super <clears throat> incredibly grateful. So when the film premiered in Santa Fe at the festival, like February 11th, <clears throat> one of the women that was in my film, I had interviewed her back in 2014, had not seen her in real life since that time. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she and her husband flew to Santa Fe. And I was like, Julie, if you're in, you're here at the festival, like, you absolutely have to be a part of the panel, the Q&A panel. Like, I thought it was just going to be me and Matt. And when she was like, yes, I'm here. I'm like, oh, absolutely. Like, I, and it's part of the reason why, like, I had Matt with me on the Kelly Clarkson show. I am not deaf. I don't have deaf family members. I now have deaf friends, right? But this is not my story to tell. This is their experience their story. I just 
kind of bundled it in this little package to get more exposure. Um, but it really isn't about me. Like uh, people are like, oh, are we going to see you in the film? Like, no, you're not seeing me. No, I'm not. There's like two, I specifically told my editor back in 2019 when we started, I was like, I don't put me in here. I don't want to hear my voice, like nothing. Yeah, And there's two, there's, there's a scene where you could, if you know me, you could see the back of my head, but you know, well, your most, color might most people, yeah, most people wouldn't know it's me. Yeah. Um, and then at the very end, you hear my voice in a couple of scenes that he couldn't edit out. And I'm just like, like, I don't oh. want to be, this is not me. Like, this is their story. No. But, and I wanted to bring that up earlier, even when when with Kelly Clarkson, you made a point of, well, Matt has to be with me. Like so many times when people are in those positions, when they finally get the notoriety of it all, they don't open the door to the people that help them get there. And that's, that's another reason to give you kudos for it all. Cause even with my interview, you were like, well, it has to have closed captioning. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> it automatically does it. Cause I'm dyslexic. Nobody wants me to <laughs> Like speaking of access, like I uh, no, I won't be able to catch the spelling or miss errors because in my brain it's like automatic for me to just make assumptions what I'm reading is right. Or yeah. So I like on that same flip level, I guess, in some ways. But you know, like you were still like you're very, very much looking out for the people that this show is about. It's not a way to just showcase this part of the story without giving them still that access that they deserve and need. And that's the whole point of your movie. So I'm, I'm yeah. curious, what was their reaction and even the audience for that matter, when you debuted the um, show down in Santa Fe? Yeah, it was interesting. The audience was predominantly deaf and I was thrilled about that on one hand. And on the other hand, I was like, Oh no, like I want to make sure that, I've done this community justice in telling mm -hmm. their story. And the people that are in the film had have seen it and have given me, I've gotten plenty of feedback along the course of producing this, but still to have it be viewed by people who don't know me, um, it was very well received. I was, uh, I was a crying mess at the end um, because it was well received and I was just overwhelmed. But mm -hmm. I think, an even more amazing thing that happened was we had requested access from the festival for a couple of different things, not just at the premiere of my film um, and an interpreter for the, for the Q and a after, but we had requested access for a couple of other things and we didn't get it. And I was really disappointed and as were the deaf people in attendance, right? Cause again, it's just another barrier, another denial of not having that access. And I had a, a conversation, a really candid conversation with the festival producer. And in that moment of that conversation, I just thought she was telling me things that would appease me to just like, you know, whatever I need to say to her to get her to leave. Yeah. Um, and I think it was four or five days after the festival ended, I got an email from her saying, Hey, I just want to let you know that, you know, there was a lot of awareness, a lot of things that were brought to our attention and we want to move forward doing things differently. And I wanted you to, you know, have access to this press release that we're putting out for the next festival, which is in 2023. And I just kind of was like, okay, I put the email aside. I didn't look at the article. I didn't read the press release. And it was like a few hours later, I looked at it 
and I read it and I just started sobbing. Again, this is like a common theme. Um, they are now requesting that all the filmmakers provide a caption file um, for all the films in next year's festival so that if deaf people want to go and enjoy it, they can see a captioned film. My film in 2022 is the only film that was captioned for the festival. Uh, and so to have that change happening, and I'm hoping it will happen again and again with every festival that I go to and more and more awareness so that there's more and more access. That's that's the dream for me is just continuing to help break down those barriers, um, tell the story of this community, marginalized, underserved. And it's a, a community of 40 plus million people in the United States alone, wow. just in the U.S. Yeah. So definitely a group of people who are being overlooked and underrepresented yeah. hugely and it's time to change and i'm sure even with being depicted in hollywood because there is a big i mean to me i thought it was big there is a big deal even just this past weekend with the sag awards the first deaf film um film was one for ensemble cast but then also best actor and yeah I watched Coda. It was a great film. And I just remember it being very uplifting and so on. Cause I get so sick of some of the films that they send me for screeners and different things. Cause it's so depressing or it's like women are just getting the crap beat out of them or something to that effect where it's just very from the oppressive view, you know, the oppressor oppressive. Yeah. It's like, ugh. like I felt like I was going through depression after last year because I was part of the nominating committee and just felt like every film was about a narcissistic man and a woman surviving it and getting her power from leaving, but yet not pressing charges because she was the greater woman. Like, wait, what? No, that's not how this should end. He should right. pay for it. You know, like we shouldn't right. always take that higher road type of thing. Anyway, right. I'm off the tangent. No, it's okay. But <laughs> at the same token, to see a movie that wasn't all doom and gloom, that was uplifting, that was about a girl coming of age, even in that sense. Like, And then yeah. to add in uh, the whole deaf community, it was an entire family around her that was deaf. I'm not going to spoil the movie because people need to watch it. But just even that film had the aspect of the music and he, um, the one, the guy that won, his daughter is a musician. And so he had really that experience where he had a feel on her um, guitar and uttered a, in order to understand why his hearing daughter wanted to go into the music business when it's like, Hey, I, I can't hear it, you know, type yeah. of thing. How dare yeah. or feeling somewhat of a attack on himself in a way, but realizing, Oh, wow, you're really gifted. You should do that. You know, like having that moment and just even having that slice of life where we got to see what it's like. And just, it was very touching. Please watch the film, at least for that part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, it's a great time to be representing a community that it's been like, I feel like Helen Keller was definitely not the last one, but uh, I, Marlene Martin, like she's done a lot of fun. Marlene Matlin. Yeah. She I'm was sorry. in CODA. Yeah. Well, yeah. She played the mom in that, but there's been a lot of films where she's been in, but it's just been her as the only deaf character, as opposed to this right. was just like the entire family, how they went about things, how they were able to stand up in their community. Like there were so many aspects of it or even yeah. just, challenges that you don't you wouldn't think about as a hearing right. person that they had to right. go through so i'm glad that there's another film a musical film at that because i love music so i'm excited about seeing this so 
where can everybody follow, learn more, and keep up with Sign the Show until it's possibly in an area or movie theater near them or streamed on certain streaming platforms? <laughs> Put it out there. <laughs> this, is hope, this is I hope. I hope. Yeah. Um, well, currently you can go to signtheshow.com. It's my website. And it has the trailer there, so you can watch the trailer. It also has where you can connect on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, all the social media outlets. But you can also sign up for, I literally, I hate sending out because I hate getting mass messages. Me too. Me too. I just don't like my it. My arm was twist so, to start a newsletter, so I do it once a month. And even then, I'm like, oh, this is yeah. I tell people, I'm like, I maybe send out one or two emails a month, if that. And I... Yeah. They barely do it. Yeah, yeah, once a month is like okay. Um, so they can go there and sign up for the mailing list. Again, we'll be in Dallas in October, Harlem in May, um, Athens, Ohio in April, and I'm really hoping for some North Carolina. Um, I'm waiting to hear back from Full Frame in Durham. Dolores, uh, that's another one. Dolores in Wilmington. I applied for that one. There's one in Winston-Salem I'm waiting to hear back from. So <clears throat> I'm hoping to like span the United States. <laughs> wow. Uh, San Francisco, D.C., New Jersey. Yeah. So, fingers crossed. Well, I'm even in Utah, Austin. <laughs> Although Austin's <laughs> coming up, I think, next weekend. So Yes, I'm not in South by Southwest. Um, I didn't get into Sundance. That's it. No, it's okay. Yeah. I've already been. Uh, well. So, maybe next year, you know, film. it's always new judges. So it could be maybe this year they're like, oh, who cares? But next year, because of Coda and all the other stuff, they're like, oh, we have to have this film here. So you just never know. I, I think yeah. that what happens, what's meant to be, will be. The universe yeah. will, will provide and connect. Um, my girlfriend says, in God's time, in the universe's time. Well, yeah. you also know your tenacity to follow up. So <laughs> where other people give up, you keep going. So thank you for being my guest today. Thank you. I thank you so much, Camille. Oh, I can't wait to hang out like in person again. Like yeah. we need to, we need another girl date for sure. I'm so overdue. It's just with filming all this stuff, I'm like, I'm not much to talk to because my throat usually hurts by the time oh. my week's over because I overbook myself and then I also do like other things I have to speak at besides my show so. well, we can go to a comedy show yeah. where you don't have to talk we could just laugh I'm down I mean my season ends in April anyway and okay. I am going to High Point Market I don't know if yeah why would you want to go to that if you're not I don't into know what that is it's the biggest furniture um, market in America because High Point is the home of furniture and like all the different brands everyone's there uh, trades all these different classes all the different here in north carolina yeah in high point every year well, high point point they have a spring one and a fall one so october and then fall but there's one in dallas because i actually did an event at the one in dallas in august no i don't know i'm bad with months but um <laughs> yeah so they're they're all over they're in atlanta vegas sounds fun they are fun because they're there's a lot of groups that I've gone to for different trade shows because I was an esthetician. I would do that. And then I worked as a pharmaceutical sales rep for, um, a what haven't you done? So, I mean, pretty much anything. Jill, Jill of all trades. 
Yes. I needed something to pay for my habits. (laughs) (laughs) Acting and (laughs) and all of that, you know, I needed to pay for the wardrobe requirements, but Anila's and the the photography and all the other stuff that comes along with it. But needless to say, um, I did a lot of furniture modeling. So I would always go to these different events to kind of meet people and also doing these events there where I would get paid to kind of like bring people into the showroom and show them around different things. Since I was 15, I've been going to furniture market and I love it, but not like, and so now I go as part of my show and everything because um, I did a opening the, like when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh, I can have a virtual high point market week and interviewed all my like HGTV friends and different so people. Fun. And, uh, like, you know, it's, they were very gracious to be on my show. Cause some of these people are, you know, like yourself are very busy. So anyway, <laughs> I know you have another appointment coming up very soon. So do so you. I want to so hold you up. <laughs> my daughter, I'm going to pick her up from carpool. But, um, Again, thank, thank you so much you. for being my guest. And I, I really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. It gives me so much joy just to hear such great stories like these because it I'm hoping it encourages more people to go for it, you know, and don't let the nose yeah. stop you. Don't let the nose stop you. Or Absolutely. like you said, just get an 800 camera with the idea you might return it <laughs> and just do it, you know, like, but sure. now like, people do things with their iPhones. So yeah, whatever Absolutely. Yeah, work with your budget. Thank you again for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Anytime. All right. Well, thanks again, everyone, for tuning into the eSpot with Camille. I'm your host, Camille Cower, and this has been Filmmaker Fridays. Please make sure you share this with your friends, your colleagues, anyone that may benefit from learning more about Cat Brewer and sign the show, or just would like to have some more of this Filmmaker Friday magic every Friday. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll be back live on Thursday. She gonna tell you what she bought it cause she know you can't afford it. No, you can get it. Looking exquisite. No competition. Stay on the pivot. Hey, be watching. They be plotting. She's so motherfucking independent. Mama be beat. Got on her grind. She had to get out her mama house. Daddy be tripping. Now she be whipping. Ain't no more no granny couch. Fashion over. Got that air looking different. Make me want to put her all in my mentions. Feeling like she was sent from above. Got me asking the Lord for forgiveness. Fucking with confidence. Look at her ambience. The Reason these hoes be talking sh- her IG. I-